up in your mouth. Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest Don't you cry, little Talking Terror fans. We are back with an all-new episode of the program. I am your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you to this episode where we'll be discussing my pick of the evening, The Lost Boys from 1987, directed by Joel Schumacher, the same guy that put nipples on the bat suit. We're going to be talking about it later on in the show. But as always, I'm so glad that you could join us. And if you heard him right, I am joined by the bold and the beautiful, the Gold Geek Keith. That's me! Hello, everybody. How you doing tonight? <laughs> That's him, everybody. Crazy. Indeed, indeed. What is going on, my friends? How you guys going? Not, not too much. I did hear somebody grumbling. I think that's the mad monkey again, banging on the cell, waiting to be let out. Monkey, <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with him? <laughs> hey there, my pants. This is your mad monkey. Uh, broadcasting to you live from the Drunken Monkey Rehabilitation Clinic. This weekend, because of the movie, the nur- nurse Johnson decided to try and cover me in head to toe with lube and gave me a saxophone to try and make things sexy. But let me tell you, a tiny little That's monkey co- covered in head to toe with ghoul glide is not a sexy thing to be seen. Oh, but it's only with demonic Dr. Cave here, too. <laughs> to play the saxophone. Oh, the fucking oh. band is warming up. We got them in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> Led by the group geek as the band leader. We're still eating on drums. So, did I hear the doctor? You I did. think we heard the doctor. I heard the doctor. doctor. You heard him. Welcome to the show. You heard him. <laughs> he is here. <laughs> What on earth is going on over there? I don't know. I think that's going to be the rest of the show. It's Can going somebody to be the just Mad bring back the chickens, please? Methinks the monkey doth drank the wine. <laughs> no, monkey well, doth So now he's like, I got to fucking get everything out now. Got to get everything out there. They missed me last week. <laughs> You know, we did. <laughs> so, yeah. We did. We are joined by the Demonic Doctor. Yeah. Welcome back, Doctor. You are, and I'm here, and I'm ready to do a broadcast. A professional well, broadcast, glad, no less. Glad in a professional manner. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, I know that we have our three listeners that we have to impress. <laughs> Thank you, Mom. <laughs> but Not bad, though. Before we get into it. No, 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 no. Uh, Before we get into anything else, um, King, this week is a very special week in Talking Terror history, isn't it? Well, it is indeed, uh, because uh, yesterday marked the sixth year in operation for Talking Terror, which once started with the Gold Geek Keith and myself over at the Thrash Talk Radio Network with Talking Terror Presents, 
we've come a long way since then to do what we're doing now with Talking Terror, with the Mad Monkey and the Demonic Doctor. So it has been a long six years of hiatuses and hijinks and madness, but we are here and we are ready to roll for another episode. <laughs> and trash talk, rapid talk, all these different oh. fucking names that that, that it went on. So many talks, different portions. Thursday nights, and uh, we we we've done all kinds of weird shit in different times and, and weird stuff. And and yes, yes, there's been, been you know, balls been sucked, all kinds of crazy shit, man. <laughs> there's just been so much going on. With the talking on Sunday plan. night, you can also check out the Johnny Mac Show. Interesting <laughs> interviews with interesting people. The title oh, is the plugs, the plugs. <laughs> yep. God, those plugs took so long. It was like a five extra minute segment just to get all I those do, rapid I talk do, plugs out. I do have hey, to listen, say, man, though. You used to also kick off all the shows with that fucking romper room oh. level. Like, hey, Too I'd much. like to say hello and suck <laughs> everybody's nuts that I've ever spoken to before. He did. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Talking, talking terror just wouldn't be the same without these people. Uh, it's just they're the people that make the world go round on our show. We just, we just couldn't function without their contributions. No. How could we move on? Uh, what were you going to say, Doc, before we started talking about the plugs that we used to do? I was going to say one of the interesting things, and I, you know, I don't want to get into all the specifics of uh, the particular individuals involved, but one thing in this journey that's been very interesting to me is that when this started out, uh, you know, somebody that Keith knew and, and maybe you too was like started this whole radio thing with like the the, the inappropriate late night show and with all those phony phone calls. And then there was like a couple of other guys started a sports show and another guy started this show and you guys started this show. And all this time later, as far as I know, like the rest of that is long gone. Um, They're gone. They're dead. You know, I think, I think one of those guys might be doing something with some syndicate of uh, podcasts for like army veterans or something. But other than that, Mm -hmm. uh, that, um, you know, that this is, you know, in various incarnations is, is still here all this time later uh, with the countless episodes and uh, all the interesting things that we've talked about over time. To me, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty cool that this is still going I, on I, in, in some capacity. I do. Well, of course, obviously I do, do enjoy hearing all the glowing, glowing, wonderful things about our show. Um, <laughs> one thing I do want to say, though, one of the shows that was on the network, uh, Foster Talk with Dr. John DeGarmo. Um, Dr. John DeGarmo is still doing his thing with Foster Kids and everything. I've seen him on ABC News. I've seen him on, like, Late Night on Channel 7. Like, him and the work that he does in the foster care community is, like, ridiculous. I mean, that guy has got him and his, his wife, they've got hearts of gold, and they work their asses off. They keep so many kids, you know, and they help them get, like, placement and all of that stuff. It, it really is an amazing thing. So we, we did have the, the joy of actually – you know, having him on the show at one point and, and talking with him. And, you know, I was in constant contact with John for a couple of years. So it's good to see that he's still doing his thing. Well, so it's good to see that we're doing the opposite. We're not, we're not fostering yes. any kids yes. or doing anything. No, we've gone completely, <clears throat> no, we've gone the complete <laughs> other direction. If he's going to heaven, we're going straight to hell, dude. And you know what? I'm going to enjoy the ride. I can't wait. Woo-hoo! All the fun people uh, anyway. With just a little, a little bit of uh, button pushing in research here. 
uh, you know, one that the ghoul was always talking about was the John Mack show interviews with interesting people. That show is still yeah. going also. And that guy just had his uh, 288th episode last Sunday, according to his blog talk radio page. Hey. Hey. So he's still around. So he's still working, still plugging away. Interesting people. <laughs> Good for him. I just see that he's moving right along while he is talking and about it. still plugging away. Too. And I know Aunt Maggie is still doing her thing with all the political stuff, but you know, like I, I, most of the stuff I see with her is on Facebook. I don't know if she's doing any kind of uh, any kind of radio show or anything like that these days. Uh, so we have uh, to basically Margaret. take back everything we just said about everybody being gone from the radio shows. Exactly. So what, what do we do best here? What we do <laughs> best here is talk a bunch of shit, and then we're like, oh, wait, hold on. Let's, let's, let's fact check this for a second. Oh, you know what? We were totally wrong, but, hey, at least we admitted it this time. <laughs> well, we did That's have that offer a couple years ago with uh, All Radio X, and that is gone, that All Radio X. We did have an offer to join them with the Midnight Horror Show, and uh, – we were going to do it. At least I was considering it. But, yeah, no, they, they are completely folded. So, blog talk. Hello, home. We love you. Thank you for all the, <laughs> the kind things that you've done for us over the years. So long, all the way. You think they'd give us a discount after so many years of service? <laughs> no, I don't even think they know we're still around. Like, that show's still going? <laughs> they don't give a fuck as long as they're getting their fucking monthly payments, man. You know, so yeah, yeah. As, long as, it's, as long as it's moving from some bank account into their bank account, they don't give a shit. Yeah, you don't want to meet the goons of Block Talk Radio that are coming to your house with baseball bats. You don't meet the quotas. All right, I promise. Next week. Give me back $2. <laughs> well, who knows? <laughs> but yeah, it's been a fucking uh, uh, Come out to play. <laughs> What's up, clicking the bottles? Oh, crap. They found out where we live. Run, guys, run. We'll see you next week. <laughs> that's, why we, that's why we always tell the ghoul to pay by money order, never by personal check. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go to the quick check. Here it is. <laughs> They don't need to and know for those of you is. listening that have tuned in to the past episodes, as you see, we have turned Talking Terror this week into a radio melodrama. <laughs> I stopped it's talking quite. just for the audience's uh, knowledge. Yeah, no, this is usually how we start our episodes, just talking about nonsense. For the new <laughs> listeners, I know that there's a couple listening tonight, actually, so I'm not going to do the whole thing. I'm sorry. I'm like, hey, you. <laughs> Would you like to announce them by name and worship them uh, for their listenership? <laughs> no, like, Monkey's really good at that. I don't want to take it away from him because he's very good. You know, at thank just you, idolizing these thank, people. Yeah, so I want to take a moment to say th- thanks to my aunt Nadine for tuning in and listening this week. Um, thanks to my c- cousin Nipsey and <laughs> Nipsey. <laughs> I apologize to both of you. <laughs>
<laughs> that, that segment will go along with the monkey teaching us all how to work a weave. <laughs> he can rock one like nobody else. I will give you that much. Um, but I do want to get into uh, some of the things I wanted to talk about tonight, including Dude, it the looks like uh, Wesley Snipes in a wig. <laughs> you know, I was going to give it to the ghoul because he has a news article at the Talking Terror desk. To talk about what? Tonight. Yeah, I believe you do about uh, certain movie franchises coming back for a fourth film. Ghoul, you have the desk. Oh, yeah. oh man. Uh, 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 hold on. I feel special now, man. Listen, I don't got, I got no, nothing at no desk or anything. But hey, everybody, guess what's coming? A fourth Matrix movie, like an honest-to-God Matrix movie. Uh, they are getting one of the Wachowski sisters. Uh, Lana, I believe, is the one coming back. Uh, Lola, Lily, Lily uh, is not returning. Um, so mm. it'll be her. They got, they got Keanu Reeves. They've got Carrie Ann Moss. Um, there's there's talks of it being a prequel, which would make sense, being that you got Carrie Ann Moss, but at the same time, too, you know, both her and Neo were dead at the end of the last movie, so I don't know what they're going to do. You know, Lana has expressed Spoilers. that, you know, she, she she's looking to, uh, to revisit it. certain <laughs> things, uh, as far as their, as far as their relevance have gone mm. over the last 20 or so years. So I'm wondering how much of her transition from, uh, from I, I don't know if she was Larry or whatever the other Wachowski brother was, um, for, from a man to a woman, um, I wonder if that's going to be in there, you know, because as much as The Matrix, you know, was about kick-ass kung fu and, you know, all kinds of crazy phil- philosophy stuff and religious stuff and, and all of this other iconography. You know, one of the things that is explored in The Matrix also, though, is gender identity. Um, the fact is, when you plug in, you know, you don't know what you are. You know, a person gets unplugged. They could be a female. They could be, you know, they could be a child. Any number of things. But, you know, once you're jacked in, you're whatever you're constructed to be. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to, what she's going to do with that. And, you know, how much impact, uh, having everybody else back is going to, is going to be in this new world. 20 years later, we're definitely in a different fucking world than we were in 1999 when the original movie came out or 98, whatever oh, year that was. Sure. And, uh, yeah. So I, I, I wanted to find out uh, from the doc and the monkey, what they think, because I know I have my own thoughts, but I wanted to hear from them as far as another matrix. Go ahead, Doc. Um, John Matrix. I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to shoot you between the eyes, John. Um, <laughs> I'm going to shoot you in the balls. I, uh, I, I said this in our chat the other day, and, and I've been thinking about it a little bit, and my thoughts kind of remain the same, and that's that, like, the Matrix movies were, like, in this kind of time, this particular time and place, and we're such a big part of that era in, in our cultural history. And not only that, it was so huge when it came out and became so humongous that it became something that was even became not the movie itself, but things surrounding it became a joke in a parody in a million different ways uh, with Mm -hmm. the bullet time and the special effects. And I just feel that with each of the subsequent sequels, there was just diminishing returns. And I think when everybody, when all is said and done and people look back on the Matrix trilogy, like 
the first movie is is exquisite. Uh, but I feel looking at that as a trilogy, it's maybe considered, I don't know if a failure might be too strong of a word, uh, but certainly nowhere near uh, what was presented in the first film. So it's not like, I, I don't think that this is something that, that people are going to be so excited about because I feel like when you look back on the Matrix, like you don't have like the best, most fond remembrances uh, of it as a series. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mucky? And I'm agreeing with the doc here because, yeah, the, uh, the first because movie I'm was right, phenomenal. God, damn it. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, you're right. Okay, hold but, on. Uh, Mucky, <laughs> take a breath, okay, man? You can breathe. <laughs> yeah, really. Calm down, Mucky. No, uh, yeah, but I'm completely agreeing with the doc here. The first movie was amazing. The two follow-up movies really just left you wanting. And I just don't see how this franchise is going to be able Let's to be pick wanting up them and, to end. Yeah, and <laughs> it's just I don't see how well, don't. making a fourth movie is going to keep it going. It's just the only thing they've got going for them is they've got Keanu Reeves for sure, and Which he's still riding off the John Wick. Yeah, but he's still riding off of all the John Wick stuff, and that's still getting butts in seats. But I don't re- really think they're going to have enough of a draw just on the Matrix. Story part of it. We got Bill. We got Bill and Ted coming too. And believe it or not, as crazy as it sounds, because one, I do agree with you guys completely. I think the first Matrix film is an amazing movie because of all the different things that that film was capable of touching upon, but never going so deep that you really, you know, that that once you, because if you scrape the surface of it, it really doesn't go very far. The rabbit hole is only, you know, it's just a little fucking little notch in the dirt. Um, it's. When they tried to go deeper, you know, again, little things that just will always stick out in my head. I remember because, Doc, we went to see The Matrix Reloaded in theaters. If you remember, we did a double feature where we saw the original Matrix Matrix on the big screen, and then we watched Reloaded night of release. It was you, me, my ex, your lovely wife, Nicole. And I remember Nicole being very... You know, very into the whole philosophy of the Matrix and just what she had said when the architect scene happened, where she was like, you know, I just remember like closing my eyes and falling asleep and then waking up what felt like 10 to 15 minutes later and he was still fucking talking. That summed up what that entire second movie kind of felt like. It felt like they were yeah, trying to throw slug, so man. much shit at you. That just didn't make the Matrix, any sense. And then in the end, it never amounted to anything either. The Matrix was one of those where just talking specifically about the first film, and yes, it scratched the surface, but for <clears throat> fans to sit there and think about it, you can think about mm-hmm. it. What, what was so great about it was that on one hand, you can, you can dig deep and analyze it and go as deep as you want in conversations with other movie nerds to talk about it, but if you don't even care to think that deeply, you can enjoy it for the amazing fucking action movie with the cool fucking plot. On the other hand, without having to go deep, it had it working for it on both on both sides. Exactly. <laughs> and then for the Wachowskis at the time, too, being that they were the nerds that they were, which, you know, I can never, never take away from nerdum, being a, a big nerd myself, but I think they went too far too quick 
you know, between releasing the Animatrix, which was a whole knotted series of animated cartoons that were supposed to bridge the gap between the first Matrix movie and the Matrix Reloaded. Um, There was a video game in between as well, which was Enter the Matrix, which was basically all the things that you didn't see happen in the Matrix Reloaded was what the video game did. The video game gave you, you know, certain car chases and certain things from the eyes of Niobe, uh, Morpheus's ex, and Ghost, the guy that chilled out with her. Um, you know, and then there was the Matrix Online, which continues the story after the third Matrix movie, Revolutions, um, in which, you know, there were factions that were looking for Neo's body and all this and that, and that had a hand in from the Wachowskis. They were trying to build this as this gigantic multimedia event. You know, kind of when you look at, like, the Star Wars expanded universe and all this and all that. But they were trying to do it where it was this whole big interconnected thing where everything was canon, everything was attached. And the problem was the quality of these things were sparse. They were not all that great. They never attracted the amount of people that they were supposed to. People wanted to play as Neo, not these other people. Um, You know, there was a disconnect that they didn't see. And unfortunately, that's part of what led to what I feel is the the big issue and problem that they found with the franchise. I think given it 20 years, though, I think getting Keanu back is huge. Um, Regardless of whether it's John Wick in the action or, you know, whatever, it's Keanu Reeves. And it's Keanu Reeves doing a role that I think a lot of people remember him fondly. I think regardless, no matter what, when you think back to the Matrix films, you still think of Neo with fond memories. So... Whoa. Whatever they're going to do, like I said, hopefully it's a good good story. That's all, all I want is a good story and give me some cool effects. They don't have to make anything new. We've seen everything under the sun at this point. Just give us something cool. Yeah, and hopefully it will be cool. I mean, I don't even really remember the second and third one. I remember the first one pretty well, but not the second and third. So a fourth one, why not? You know, I mean, hopefully they can uh, update it with the new technology that we have now and Make a cool film, like the Gulet said, and, and make it fun and entertaining and not so talky-talky like the uh, right. other movies were. Yeah. Uh, so that's something to look forward yeah. to. Yeah. Go ahead, Monkey. No, I was just going to say, but, um, and now that we're moving on, King, if the doc wasn't going to cover it, just if you could, real quick, just because we hardly hear anything about Tom Atkins, and yet you found two separate articles this week discussing Tom Atkins. Tom the motherfucking man Atkins? Oh, yeah, I did. Uh, because I'm a huge <laughs> Atkins fan, so whenever I see Tom Atkins pop up my news feed, I got to find out what they're talking about. So, uh, yeah, Tom Atkins uh, had did an interview, uh, I believe it was with Collider, where he was talking about the new Halloween movies, and he said that he would love to have a cameo in the upcoming movies, whether it's the one coming out next year, the one after, just a little cameo. It doesn't have to be Don Chalice, uh, Dan Chalice, rather, that he played in Halloween 3, just some kind of a cameo that would be great. I would love it, don't care how. But he also mentioned that Charles Cyphers, who played Lee Brackett in Halloween 1 and 2, is interested in doing it. They think they're going to get him. Again, that's a rumor. That's coming from Tom Atkins. That's not official. It's not like uh, David Gordon Green said we got Charles Cyphers. That's just Tom Atkins talking about his friend saying, hey, he's going to do it, guys. He's going to be back. But uh, <laughs> the other... Atkins news was that if they happen to do a season two of Creepshow that's going to be on Shudder uh, starting next month, Greg Nicotero said Tom Atkins will have a place in season two. So let's hope that the first season does well enough so that we get a second one because Tom Atkins returning would make me very, very happy because anytime I see Tom Atkins, 
I know he's just going to make things even better. <laughs> Tom motherfucking Atkins. I think it would just be cool if they give him the time to just, like you said, a little cameo in the next Halloween movie, sure. And the next Creep Show two, two season, yeah, I think that would be amazing just to sit there and to pull original actors from the original movies into this new series. He's great. You know, man, he's still working hard and he's still making these, you know, the little independent movies, the horror movies. He's still involved and it's always great when he shows up. And I always look forward to seeing what he's going to do next. I've always been a huge Atkins fan. You know, even some of his mainstream stuff is pretty good. But the stuff he does in the horror genre is always so fun. His diet is fantastic. (laughs) Oh, the Atkins diet, I know. It's just you smoke a lot of cigars and drink a lot of whiskey. That's his diet. (laughs) <laughs> but he might know, but he to, I don't know. I don't <laughs> think that uh, there's a place for a Tom Atkins cameo in the upcoming uh, double Halloween sequels. Uh, he was in Season of the Witch, which has zero to do with this right. particular story. Uh, in fact, in the in the timeline of uh, Halloween 2018. Uh, Halloween three season of the witch doesn't even exist. Uh, so I just feel that sure it might like, exist uh, as a movie on a TV in a scene in the background. Maybe they're going to do the reverse meta flip in which like we saw in Halloween three, when we saw the Halloween as a film on a TV in the bar, maybe we're going to see Halloween three as a film on a TV somewhere. Mm. So that would be that would be interesting. That would be an interesting not, but I don't think you need to start bringing performers from that film in for little cameos. It just it kind of doesn't fit to me. Um, and but sure, I'm sure Tom Atkins wants to be in it because you know you want to be in anything you can be in. Uh, as far as the Creepshow thing, uh, that's cool. I'm totally cool with that. I feel that I would love to see a couple of minutes from season one and hope it be. Uh, good before we start talking about who should be in season two. It's still like a month and a half away. Well, actually a month and yeah. a few days uh, before we even get to see it. So uh, hopefully it's good. Uh, I, I am hoping that it's good. I'm looking forward to watching it. Um, you know, and then we can see what, what goes it from there. Uh, you know, in that same interview, uh, you, were t- you talked about um, what Tom Atkins had to say about Charles Cypher. Did you, did you, did you mention that? Yeah, I did, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's interesting to me that, like, that's the only source of that news. I'm curious to see what uh, actually ends up coming from that. Uh, you know, and I'm sure we'll know these things uh, as, as we begin filming. Because those films uh, uh, begin filming next month, I think, like October 16th or October 22nd, uh, they start mm-hmm. filming those. Yeah, and the uh, – so I wanted to say that the Silver Shamrock masks are in Halloween 2018. So there is that connecting thread. They do show up when Michael's on the streets of Haddonfield. There's little kids running up to him wearing the pumpkin mask, the witch mask, and the skull mask. So they do make it a point to say the Silver Shamrock exists in this universe. Silver Shamrock. Yep. What so was that? Dan Chalice could show up. That was the monkey trying to do a TV spot. Eight more days to Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Halloween, Silver Shamrock. <laughs> oh, that was Stop it. 
<laughs> Brought to you by the Talking Terror Band. Thank you, guys. Now, back to the, back to the Doc Horror News. What else have you got, Doc? <laughs> well, I haven't had anything. I haven't had anything so far. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, while we're in the world of Halloween, John Carpenter says he is going to score both of the upcoming sequels. Uh, so you can look forward to some atmospheric John Carpenter music uh, when these movies see the light of day. Uh, he says he will be doing that once again. And because our show uh, wouldn't be our show without talking yet again about some upcoming Stephen King adaptations, I have two uh, that I'd like to tell you about. Uh, I, believe right. I, had, I believe I had one of them on my list <laughs> last week, but we didn't get to it because we were running really long. Uh, but that is there's going to be a – uh, Stephen King adapt- adaptation of uh, one of his Bachman books and one that some say is his worst work of all time and this is a story called Roadwork uh, about a man who loses his mind and feels that he has to take up revenge against developers that are coming to take down his neighborhood or something uh, and that is going to be, uh, you know, there's some producers behind the It movie that are going to be taking on that challenge uh, so, you know is that going to? Are both of these going to be theatrical or straight to? Uh, as far video as I know, these are going to be. As far as I know, these are feature films uh, with oh, theatrical wow. plans. Uh, but that you know, I, I cannot confirm that at this time. But my reading tells me that these are uh, feature films. And then the second oh, one. Oh, it's the '80s all over again! Yeah. All right. As you were talking. <laughs> the the second adaptation coming up is going to be uh, the Stephen King. Uh, book the girl who loved Tom Gordon. Yeah, that's such that's a his best work. Strange premise in that one, uh, but uh, apparently in 1999, uh, George Romero was attached uh, to this to bring his vision of this to the screen, but that never came to pass. Uh, but uh, the girl who loved Tom Gordon that is being developed right now uh, ha- also has some producers from the current. It films, and also uh, it has George Romero's wife uh, involved as well. So I don't know if she has elements of his stories that they're gonna, or his, uh, you know, his treatment that they're going to try to bring to this or whatnot. But uh, there is a Romero involved in uh, the upcoming girl who loved Tom Gordon uh, about a girl. Yeah, who that is, might be more uh, of a right some thing back of, from whenever the original setup came through. Yeah. But there's a girl, a young girl uh, lost in uh, some evil forest and only uh, has the solace of listening to Tom Gordon pitch for the Boston Red Sox, uh, who in a very long career pitched for the Red Sox for four years, uh, four very strong years, but uh, he statistically had his two best years several years later pitching for the New York Yankees. Uh, so I would just like to, to throw that out there. Um, you know, all things being fair and equal. Yeah, and it'll be, uh, like the Google had said, I think it's just the right thing, the fact that his ex-wife, Christine Forrest Romero, is going to be involved. I doubt she's going to have very much of a hands-on thing with it. Um, but it's just interesting to see a Romero name attached to it. Uh, it's like I, I posted on the Talking Terror Facebook page, and I had said it's not the greatest of his stories. So I'm kind of interested to see why they decided to adapt that one as opposed because to the Stephen King properties are hot right now, that's why. Well, yeah. one, well I mean, Roadwork is pretty good. Okay. I actually like Roadwork. I thought that was actually a pretty good story. 
I've never read that story, but in my readings today, the general consensus amongst all the headlines were that Stephen King's worst story to be adapted. Yeah, so see, I don't think it can get much Tom worse Gordon. than Insomnia. Oh, God, that was a bore. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't get through that one. It was just hey. pretty bad. Mm. You, you said road work, and you know what? The only thing that came into my mind was that old pinball machine that had, like, the construction workers on it that had their heads and they walked. I think it was, like, road show or some shit like that, man. Uh, it sounded like a bunch of hillbillies from, like, Kentucky. And they were like, all right, Texas, it's time to do the thing, and you got to do with the thing. Like a female and a guy, and they, they just looked weird. That's the first thing that came into my head when you said that. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah road work. What? What and and not the not the new tag team in WWE? Heavy <laughs> machinery. Oh, good lord! Yeah, those two. <laughs> no. <laughs> the the new bushwhacker. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> well, well, a lot to be said about the heavy machinery. All right, so uh, what's next, Doc? What do we have? Uh, Eddie Muschietti uh, on you know right on the uh, Eddie Spaghetti. Of Eddie Spaghetti. Um, (laughs) with it chapter two uh, looming uh, just a week and a half away uh, has talked about uh, already talking about a possible super cut idea of blending both the chapters together uh, for some type of release uh, down the road Uh, they Running time for upcoming It Chapter 2 is clocking in at a nice and tidy two hours and 45 minutes. Oh, God. End game all over again, man. It's never <laughs> fucking stops. A similar runtime was for, for It Chapter 1, and I was not aware of this, but It Chapter 1, the director's cut, clocks in at four hours. So, oh, shit. They say you can expect a similar length director's cut to It Chapter 2, but the theatrical release is clocking in at 2 hours and 45 minutes. I don't know how Did they, they ever release blend. the director's cut of Chapter 1? Not in, not theatrically, no. I believe it's just uh, DVD, Blu-ray. No, cetera, is, is, is it available like digital or anything? I've never seen anything that said director's cut uh, for that movie. Let me do some research. All right, but there's oh, wow. So two hours and forty five minutes of a- average runtime, and then they're talking about a supercut. So they're talking about bl- blending the two together. Well, you know, like a four hour nothing like a, nothing like sitting in a movie theater for six hours. You know, like I get it. Okay, some of these theaters, those seats are pretty damn comfortable nowadays. Like I don't know, like I know with the uh, the A list app and all that shit, I can punch up to get like food brought to my seat and all that. But <laughs> you you know what? Who's gonna? Uh, are we gonna look at like a, a Cartman esque? Like, wow episode where when I've got to go to the bathroom, is somebody going to come with, like, a pan so that I can shit in it or piss in it or whatever it is that i got to do? Sorry for getting loot on that, but it just seems crazy. You're going to have to buy that extra. You're going to have to get that yeah, fucking yeah. extra. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, but because of the, his AMC Plus that he has, he can he can get that. <laughs> get yeah, you, see, it, they give you they give you shit in pee buckets, man. That's, that's just how it goes. Nah, that's, that's not true. They don't do that. I used up all three of my movie passes by this weekend this week, man. I've been kind of like bumped out about it. So what? Your three so passes? You use them all already? 
<laughs> yeah, you saw three of them by before the weekend was even over. Uh, oh, we saw, uh, saw oh, Aladdin Saturday morning, and then on Sunday, you know, I ended up doing uh, t- two features. I saw, um, God, I don't even remember what I've seen at this point. I know I saw Good Boys Sunday afternoon. Um, what the hell did I see early on Sunday? Eh, it was a horror <laughs> flick. I don't know, what, what horror flicks are out right now? Oh, I'm trying to think of what you, cause you told me that you saw Good Boys. Well, you saw Good Boys. I know that. Did you see Crawl? Mm-hmm. No, no, he saw Crawl. Yeah, I saw that. that I saw was that. not the same. Like, yeah. The Angry the Birds movie too. Oh, you 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 saw yeah. forty seven. You saw forty seven meters. That's. Yes, yes. Right. Forty seven meters down. Thank you. Good lord. See, see how how much that <laughs> stuck in my head. <laughs> we're, yeah. We're, where, where you were talking about how they had to bend the phys- physics of time and reality that even make this movie work. <laughs> you know, I think that it's one of those cases. Listen, you know what? I, uh, For me, obviously, I've said this so many damn times, man. Jaws is the only, like, true shark attack film that I really enjoy. Um, I take Deep Blue Sea as a second to that movie just because I feel like at least they had fun with Deep Blue Sea. Um, and I also know that originally the Deep Blue Sea treatment was what they were hoping to do with Jaws 3D, but they just did not have the ability to do that at that time. Um, so, you know, anything that comes out these days with sharks, it, it, I'm not looking for for anything fantastic. I'm not looking for any kind of miracles. Just at least make it entertaining. Make it bloody. Make it crazy. Uh, Me and the doc were actually going to do a, like, just a random episode one evening. Uh, We were talking back and forth. We We were? the movie. Yeah, remember? You, it was like no, a Saturday I know, night. I know, I know, I know, I know. Oh, okay. I, know, I, know. <laughs> I was going to say, man, God, jeez. Um, but we ended up not doing it. I, I think I, I backed out at like the last possible minute because it was like midnight. Here, yeah, you, you know? fucking do that all the time. Dude, the docks in California, okay, man. So where it's nine there, I'm sleepy time here. Um, I had the like whole text. I said we can start at any time. Something happened. No, you had to get. Uh, there was something like you ended up having to have cast or something. There was something happened uh, that like threw uh, off your schedule. It wasn't. It wasn't like a late night thing, man. Something happened. Oh. Uh. Okay, well, whatever the case may be, 47 Meters was going to be the movie we were going to do. Um, so that's what got me watching it the first time around. Uh, I, You know, I didn't hate it. I thought the ending had a nice little twist to it. I thought that was kind of just something cool to do. Uh, I wondered how in any way they could match it. And you know what? I'll have to give them credit. They didn't even try. They were like, you know what? This one's going to be just a straight up. Sharks swimming around in an underwater city that's been, you know, kind of holed off for X amount of thousands of years. And there you go. You got some divers that are down there dealing with it. So basically it was like Piranha, except without all of the crazy tits and 3D dicks. Oh, I'm sorry, but what what, what Piranha movie had 3D dicks in it? Piranha, the uh, remake? Piranha from, a, from Piranha? Like several years ago. It's, yeah, we, it's a, we covered it on the Sherry show. O'Connell's uh, 3D, 3D, 3D dick. Sherry O'Connell's 3D dick. <laughs> Literally, like right in your face. After watching oh, yeah, one of the like most beautiful, like, beautiful underwater ballet scenes of all time. Yeah. Oh. 
so great. <laughs> and we covered it on the show, Monkey. I don't know how you don't remember that. Because <laughs> I blanked out there. I T-shirt. <laughs> Talking about them Danny DeVitos. <laughs> Eli Roth is a DJ. So, Doc, one. did you did you find anything, or are we moving on? Oh, sorry. Yeah. So, uh, the director's cut has not yet been released, uh, but it's something that is currently being worked on, uh, which uh, you know will lead to the working on of the director's cut for part two. And he's talked about releasing both director's cuts back to back for like home media, and then stitching maybe not the director's cut, but taking all of this stuff and stitching it together for one super cut. A theatrical release, but the theatrical either way is going to be two hours and forty-five minutes. <laughs> no, it chapter two. It chapter two is going to be two hours and forty-five minutes. Yeah, it chapter two. Two hour. Wow. Okay. <laughs> That's a up, up heavy, forty-five heavy, minutes. Uh, up just over forty-ish minutes from it chapter one. And I thought Hobbs and Shaw at two hours and eighteen was too long. <laughs> yeah, so did I. You know what? I saw that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you did see that. So, I don't know. I mean, I've seen some of the reviews come in for Chapter 2, and you know, they're, they're a mixed bag, but I try not to see too many reviews. But, you know, I don't know. It's a mixed bag. It's always these movies, though. I don't want to know anything about any reviews on anything about it. I'm going to see it, you know, probably weekend of release. Um, but... Again, I don't want to know nothing. I don't want to hear anything about any critics. I don't care what anybody has to say about it. I already have my own opinion of what I think is going to have the quality of the film, but I'm really sure. hoping I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. All right, so moving on from it, what else do you have for us, Doc? Um, let's see. Uh, Mick Ready G. or Not came out tonight. Oh, yeah. That's true. I can't wait for that one. Please tell us all about mm-hmm. that. Oh, no, I'm going to go see it this weekend, man. Looks like a fun yeah. film. Good for you. I'm going to try as well. Hopefully I get to see it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mick G, you said? Mick G is his stepping favorite back director, behind Mick the G. camera. Uh, stepping mm. back behind the camera to bring us a sequel to the Netflix fun horror movie, The Babysitter. Uh, this will start shooting uh, sometime in October and wrap up shooting sometime around Thanksgiving time. At this time, there is no word on whether this is going to continue the story from the first film with the same characters and performers uh, or if it's going to go in another direction uh, with new cast. Uh, stay tuned for details. Well, see, that's looking forward that to you that. actually brought that up because it connects to what I had to say. There was Samara Weaving, who is in Ready. Um, but that being said, I hope they bring her back. She's great. She was great in The Babysitter. And, yeah, she is in Ready or Not uh, coming out tonight. So I'm looking forward to hopefully checking that out. I know, Google, you're already going to go see it this weekend. But you burned through your three movies. So you're actually going to have to pay for this one. No, Friday. Everything re-ups on Friday. No, oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's coming up, Ghoul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, three, three a week, dude, and Friday is when it resets. So, I mean, if I wanted right. to, I could be booking booking my seats and, and show times now, but, you know, I, I'd never know exactly where anything's ever going to land and if anybody's going to be coming with me. So, i got to wait. Mm. All right. All right. So, moving on from Mick G and Babysitter 2, uh, what's next? Nothing. Okay. 
Fair enough. McGee. Nothing more. Didn't McGee do the original <laughs> Charlie's Angels movies? Yes. I think so. Yeah. He was a music video guy for a while before he got into movies. But, yeah, I was yeah, a huge fan but, of the but but then he was also directed that series that you and I liked, King, about um, the Miami Vice type show that had Tiffany Amber Thiessen in it. Fastlane. Yeah, he was he was the director of that show too. Oh man, yeah, I love that show. Bill Bellamy, Peter Facinelli, uh, such a good show. <laughs> Got canceled way too soon. Yeah, it did. I hear, I hear Fastlane. The first thing I think is just the worst fucking pay per view name ever. Yeah, and it's pretty bad. And the results are always pretty bad. Literally makes um, no sense. I, I don't even. I don't even get the whole purpose of it. You know, no, the, the only no. thing I could think is if like they made it a tournament, like format for that pay per view, and whoever wins that tournament gets to be a headliner to challenge for whichever title at WrestleMania. Hence, you're taking the fast lane to the belt. So, you know, your your Mm. shitty person has an opportunity to get to it. But no, that's not what they do. They do nothing of the sort. They just present yet another fucking pay-per-view. With a cool name. (laughs) Like Stomping Grounds. That was a great name for a pay-per-view. Yeah. And it was a horrible one as well. Mm. Um, but all right, so do you guys have anything else you want to talk about before we get into the movie? Then? Well, other than that, just remember that at the end of this month, there's there's another AEW pay-per-view. I believe it's supposed to be August 31st. AEW is supposed to have uh, – I think it's the last AEW started a wrestling – AEW started a wrestling company? AEW. All oh, wrestling. Oh, oh. Not AEW, no. the delicious root beer. Listen, you can't talk about the AEW pay-per-views, man. It's kind of like the whole Fight Club thing. You know, it doesn't actually exist. Plus, they're not paying us like the WWE is. This is true. You know, that, that McMahon money is nice, so we take it back. I apologize. Uh, th- thank you, Vince. <laughs> thank you, Shane. <laughs> Sorry, Daddy Vince. <laughs> yeah, you know, but... Uh... So, yeah, we get our money from the WWE, clearly. Um, but, yeah, so uh, nobody's anything you want to talk about before we get into it. Oh, we don't. No, let's, let's, let's get into this pick. <laughs> oh, so we still believe in the Lost Boys. Okay. All right, so it is uh, my pick for tonight, the Lost Boys from 1987, directed by Joel Schumacher. I'm just going to read a quick plot synopsis before we get into it. Sam and his older brother, Michael, are all-American teens with an all-American interest. But after they move with their mother, Lucy, to peaceful Santa Clara, California, Things mysteriously begin to change. Michael's on himself lately, and Mom's not going to like what he's turning into. So that's basically uh, a general talk. We'll get more into it. (laughs) (laughs) If Joel Schumacher has his way, yes. And he will fire his sister all the way. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I think that The Lost Boys is an iconic vampire film. It's probably my favorite vampire film, other than Fright Night from Tom Holland. Uh, It's just, it's one of those movies that I saw when I was around nine. So I first saw that on HBO, and I was like, I want to be a fucking vampire. These guys just fucking stand all night. They ride on dirt bikes. They party. They just want to have fun. You know, they're not fucking sad little assholes that want to sit in their castle and just be like, oh, I missed my love. No, they just want to fuck shit up and have fun doing it. And that's why I wanted to be a lost boy, you know, when I was a kid. And uh, so, yeah, that's why I always love that movie. And talking about it for the show, I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys think about it. Because it's a, a movie I think it stands the test of time. I think when a lot of people think about vampire films, especially of the 80s, 
uh, Lost Boys should be talked about a lot. Uh, so, Gould, what do you think about the Lost Boys? I mean, listen, the Lost Boys is an iconic classic of the 1980s as far as horror goes. Um, you know, for me, I uh, I didn't catch Lost Boys until... I would say maybe 1990, 1991, somewhere in there. I think I remember seeing it at a friend of mine's house, Jay Bucolt. And uh, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's got the dude from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure in it. Uh, it's got Kiefer Sutherland. You know, it's got all these these fantastic people that I've recognized from other films. And it's got the Corys. Um, it's, it's a fun fun, frolicky vampire film that, you know, again, watching it with later eyes, it definitely has some flaws here and there, but for the most part, it's still a very enjoyable ride. Okay. All right. Uh, Doc, what do you think about The Lost Boys? I mean, I'm pretty much going to echo exactly what the ghoul said. I mean, this is iconic 1980s uh, vampire horror classic. I mean, it had just so many hallmarks of what made the 80s such an interesting time in a lot of ways. Uh, super fun movie. Uh, I don't even remember when it was that I saw this for the first time, but this is one that, like, if I see that it's on, I'm watching it. Uh, it never gets old. It's super enjoyable. Uh, it's The Lost Boys, man. It's a great film. <laughs> All right, Monkey, what did you think about The Lost Boys? Yeah, same thing, man. It's, it's the fucking Lost Boys. <laughs> um. Yeah, great fun movie, and what I find entertaining is that this is my my son's third time seeing this movie. Uh, he's 13 now, and it's great to see that this movie still holds up even to younger audiences. It stays entertaining. It still gets the kids into the storyline. It's not one of those movies that we grew up with, and it was too dated for any of the kids today to <clears> – <throat> excuse me, uh, enjoy. And it's just great that it's one of those rare movies that many generations of families can sit down together and just have a great time watching a gory flick. A uh, gory in parts, I would agree. But I think, uh, again, no, you I know, said cor- no, I said Corey. I said Corey. Oh, Corey. I thought you said gory. Okay. No, well, Corey no, too. Cor- um, <laughs> yeah, Corey, the, the Feldman name. Um, no, it, it is a, a kind of a movie that you could watch at a younger age, like uh, Ian's age or even younger, and still have a fun time with it because it's just it, vampires having a good time doing what they're doing. And there's not a lot of uh, terrifying moments uh, in the movie, you know, where you're going to have nightmares from this movie. It's just it's fun. You know, they, they made a party movie uh, with vampires in it. And I think that was the whole appeal for me, especially watching it this time, is that I'm still having a good time, you know, especially on the boardwalk and seeing uh, – like I said, Bill from Bill and Ted, Alex Winter playing Marco. Then you have Paul, Dwayne, and David on oh. the carousel. I do like the fact uh, that in the movie, they don't show you the vampires flying at all. They only show you the POV shots. And that's what I really yeah. appreciated watching this time, is that you don't actually see the, them flying themselves. It's strictly just POV. I felt like if you it would have been lame, it would have been cost more money. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been cheesy. If you, I mean, if you ask me, is that the scene mm-hmm. them actually flying? I, I wouldn't have been happy with it, uh, especially in the end battle sequence. I didn't really need to see it, but they do show them kind of flying at each other, and I'm like, yeah, I could have lived without it because I just like the illusion. It, yeah, it, it, 
yeah, the ending sequence was a little bit big trouble in Little China, but you know we'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> um, but you know, yeah, it, <laughs> oh, go ahead. Um, no, and I was just gonna. Yeah, the, uh, okay, <laughs> I'm gonna go. And then you're taking over. Speak, Dude, somebody figure out who the fuck is gonna talk. Okay, come on, people. Yeah, this is a professional right. show. <laughs> He gives all me the food and he takes it right back. So go ahead, Mike. All I was going to say is at the opening shots and stuff like that, I agree with you about them not showing things because it adds to the horror that they're trying to establish at the very beginning of the movie. And it shows you how strong they can be, too, because of the security guard that kicked him off the carousel. As he's going back to his car, you see the flying POV shots, and then as he gets to his car, he's ripped off, and the door actually gets ripped off the hinges as he's carried off. So it was such a cool shot. And to kind of show you that there's something going on. You don't know that these bikers are vampires just yet, but you get a sense that there's something going on. Especially, I love the missing posters that you see in town. They're just plastered mm-hmm. everywhere. I thought it was a tornado, yeah. just like the one that killed Kevin Costner in Man of Steel. I thought that's what ripped the security <laughs> guard away. <laughs> and Superman did nothing to save him. He just stood he there. Didn't. He didn't. But that's because he put his hand out and he said, stop. Don't save me, son. <laughs> even though you could. Yeah. Um, so you get introduced uh, to <laughs> Sam, played by Corey Haim, and uh, Michael, played by Jason Patrick. Very much just a brother and uh, two younger brother and older brother. I like their dynamic because they definitely seemed like they were just having fun together especially in the, the opening of the movie where they're kind of hanging out with each other. Um, you know, I just, I like their dynamic because you can tell that they were very close. It wasn't like Michael's too old to be hanging out with uh, Sam, even though Sam acts a little bit younger than he should be. I definitely think that for some reason, well, yeah, he was just acting a little bit. I mean, we know why because of the script, but. Well, why don't you go into old. that King? Why don't you go into why that? Because with the casting... Come on, you know, King. Gonna, like, don't just throw it out there. Okay, explain yeah. yourself. <laughs> for those of you that do not know about the original script of The Lost Boys, they were originally supposed to be children. Everybody in the movie, including David, played by Keeper Sutherland, was supposed to be like a 12-year-old. And Star, played by Jimmy Gertz, was supposed to be a boy. And the Frog Brothers that we meet later on in the film were also supposed to be 10 and 11, and they were going to be Cub Scouts. Literally taking on the moniker of the Lost Boys. It was supposed to be children. Which comes, but the studio decided which comes from Peter Pan because that's yes, where they got that name from. Peter fucking mm-hmm. Pan, the Lost Boys yep. that live forever as long as they stay in Neverland. Those motherfuckers. But yeah. the studio and Schumacher agreed. You can't sell a movie like that. You got to have sexy people. You got to have Kiefer Sutherland. You got to have Jason Patrick. You got to have Jimmy Gertz. You got to sell this mm. for teens. They're going to want to see this movie. You can't sell it just mm. for having kids. So I think they made the right decision and having them be, you know, sexy mm. teenagers, you know, running around well, the boardwalk. Well, this, this is also because he had Richard Donner attached to the, to the project, which he wanted oh, to yeah. basically make a – he wanted to make something along the lines of the Goonies meets a vampire film, um, which I think we do get with the, the Monster, Monster Squad. Squad. So, <laughs> you know, like I, I, I don't know if – you know, I don't think he had the right – I don't think he had the wrong idea. But when I look at the two films, when I look at the Monster Squad and I look at the Lost Boys, I definitely look at the Lost Boys <laughs> as a more favorable film as far as the, the length of time. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. 
Um, another character I really liked uh, that I want to talk about is uh, Grandpa, played by Bernard Hughes. When oh, he yeah. was on screen, I loved him. He had great comedic timing. But I want, like, I watching it this time, and I even talked about it with the monkey last night, I felt like he was a character that he knew right from the get-go what was going on. He didn't trust anything. That's why when he gets into the car, well, when he gets into the car with Sam, and Sam's like, let's go to town. We're riding in this fucking great car. And he's like, all right, nope, we're not going to town. That's as close to town as I get. I want to say that he could possibly be like a hunter. You know, he could know what's going on and have a cover for what he's doing, like going to Widow Johnson's house. Yeah, I'm going there, but in actuality, I'm staking vampires. Like, oh, it's a thought that I have. I think he was just going for some old clam. That's all. He liked the Widow Johnson's uh, Sinashola, you know? Just just, just like uh, right, the kid yo. said, too, you know? He, he just uh, he just stuffed, you know, <laughs> Mr. Johnson. Right. So. right. But but this was but this was my fan theory that I came up with the other night was that, okay, there is no Widow Johnson because, because as you're watching Grandpa at what watching Grandpa, watching everyone else in the movie, Grandpa's always got an eye out on stuff. He's keeping an eye out on things. He's watching over things. And, you know, he's arming the place. He's putting giant wooden stakes up all over the place. You every step yeah. you take, every you know, move he, he, you make. You know, <laughs> because of all the dead animals that he's working on, he's constantly examining death. All right. And then he's going out at night t- telling the boys that he's going out with old Widow Johnson. But. There is no old Widow Johnson. He's actually going out and Van Helsing the fuck out of Santa Carla. Okay? But when the brothers tell him that Widow Johnson calls, that's how he knows that things are up, which is why Grandpa knows to come back later in the movie. But so, we'll get into that. It's a good theory. It's a good theory. I have, right? it's, it's a good fan theory, but I have, a, I have one arrow I want to kind of shoot through it. Um, Go ahead. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, you say that you think that the uh, grandpa is a vampire hunter, and in your words, I believe you said he was going out and uh, then hell-singing the fuck uh, out of some vampires. Now, yeah, is that a quote? Just, yes, <laughs> from the monkey. Now, the, the one thing that comes to mind when I think about that theory, and it's a good one, is that, uh, you know, we don't necessarily know how large the Santa Clara vampire community is, but I would imagine Carla. that the vampires, excuse me, Santa Carla. Um, Man, you, you live in California, Doc. <laughs> well, and I live not far from Santa Clara. Santa Carla is a fictional town. Uh, that, was yeah. built, that, that had Santa Cruz uh, stand in for it. Fictional uh, characters. Which, yes. Now, um, did I say fictional characters? Yeah. No, I, I did. Chardonnay. But anyway. Oh. Um, <laughs> you didn't say I did. From fucking Ben Affleck from uh, Jane Silent Bob's. Fictional <laughs> characters. I'm, complete, I'm yeah. doing the hand motions and everything. I feel that... Uh, we don't know how large the vampire population is, but I feel that if Grandpa was going out and then helsinging the fuck out of the vampire population, I feel like maybe Max and David and that whole crew wouldn't be so happy-go-lucky and, 
and and comfortable uh, all over the place. Maybe uh, you know yeah. if they yeah. were knowing that vampires were being taken out. So that's the the one thing that I thought of with your theory, and it's a good theory. I'm not trying to say no, oh, no, that, that definitely that, isn't happening. No, that's a very good point you bring up. Is if there were hunters, then they wouldn't be as carefree as they are, and so nonchalant and open in public. Yep, yep. You're good point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I was going to go to with the whole thing, anyway, man. As much as I like your fan theory, I just don't think there were any other vampires besides them. Yeah, they were just the the four then plus you know you have the halflings and then Max, who you wonder how much Max is doing too. Because you don't really see him in any capacity other than working at the video store and seducing Lucy the entire time wearing oh. his very, very 80s fashions. Yeah, oh, and, I love and just on the subject of Max, I, I love <laughs> Edward Herman. There's so many oh, roles so that he's played. There's so, yeah. he's overboard. Yeah. He's such a oh, totally overboard. It's fucking. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. Here's some doctor <laughs> trivia. I saw Overboard in the movie theater. Um, <laughs> now, uh, there's so many films that that guy is in uh, that he is just so funny in. And uh, I know he died a few years ago and everything, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he's, yeah. he's a funny so, dude. 2014. Uh, yeah, so, and he yeah. was in. He was in a lot of. He was in a lot of good. Good stuff. Um, the Lost Boys being one of them. So I just wanted to just shout out my appreciation for Edward Herman. Oh no, he's great because when you first meet him at the video store and Lucy walks in. And she sees the little kid that was lost, and the mother eventually finds him. He's like, oh, you got a very maternal way about you. She's like, well, you know, I can use a job. He's like, you're hired. <laughs> is, you can start tomorrow. Is it, hey. Is it, is it because she was looking after a lost boy that he said there? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> the mother. Uh, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> but while, yeah, funny too, though. I mean, this you is, bring up Herman, man. And, you know, the one thing that always does yeah. come to mind for him um, like you said, he's been in so many, so many iconic roles, man. But he was the fucking president of the United States in Annie, you know, and that was mm-hmm. my first representation of ever seeing FDR. So anytime oh, that's FDR right, he gets was. mentioned, yes, he was. Anytime FDR gets yeah. mentioned, he's who I see as FDR. <laughs> Not even as I'm now, you know, in my forties, and I've absolutely seen actual video footage and pictures of the real man. Herman is who I see as fucking Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Yep. It's my own and private yes, roller coaster. As, and as it was said, <laughs> uh, his role, his role in Overboard, he was fucking hilarious. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially when he fucking goes nuts towards the end of the movie. Uh, <laughs> oh, and, and then, uh, yeah. <laughs> he was busy whacking the donkey with painted ladies. Um, <laughs> just as a, an uh, overboard note, man. Just so you guys know, I mean, obviously, I know you guys already knew this because you all hate remakes anyway. I happen to get that that recent overboard film starring Anna Faris and whoever the hell else is in that. Um, wow, talk about a bad movie. Like, yeah, no chemistry doesn't make not, any sense. Like the film just does yeah, not. I mean, yeah. original overboard is fucking great, man. The fucking chemistry <laughs> between Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn is through the fucking roof. Uh, mm-hmm. This great fucking collection of actors that played his kids, uh, and his fucking yeah. friend Bad Billy Pratt was fucking hilarious. And, uh, and yeah, and Edward Herman is fucking Grant Staten, and uh, he was also the dad in Richie Rich, and he was uh, yep, yes, he was uh, he was one of the husbands. In Intolerable Cruelty, which is like a super fucking underrated uh, George Clooney movie. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, lo- lots and, of good roles when I, when I think of that guy. 
Yeah, you know, he, what he you said with the Kurt himself. Russell Goldie Hawn chemistry <laughs> thing, though, that I think is the biggest thing. There's absolutely no chemistry between the two main leads. You actually look at them, and it just doesn't even make any sense why there would be anything going on. Like, like at least with 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 Kurt Russell and the way he was framed, yeah, he might have been like trailer trash and whatnot, but he's still Kurt Russell. He's still a good looking dude. You, you, yeah, you saw the cool dynamic shit, on the man. other end. Kurt fucking Russell. Yeah, and like that's the thing though, you know, it's kind of like the diamond in the rough situation, you know, whereas like in this case, the the, the guy is the rich person, and it just, it's just baffling, it just, my mind couldn't have just, just died a little bit more and more, and I I don't think they, I do think they make mention of the first film, Um, so it's not like it's a direct, you know, quote unquote remake, as much as it's just taking place in the same world that that original film took mm. place in, but still, it's just not a movie to see. Don't see it. That, that's my advice. Well, mm-hmm. I want to talk about a movie that we want to talk about, which is The Lost Boys, because while Lucy is talking to Max getting a job at the video store, we have Sam and, and Michael on the beach watching the fantastic Tim Capello playing, I still oh. believe, thrusting <laughs> all over the place with his saxophone. But what's funny about this scene is that you have the introduction of Star played by the beautiful Jimmy Gertz on the beach, clapping her hands, enjoying it. But then you see two headbangers on the beach banging the shit out of each other, listening to this song, and I'm like, ah, wrong, wrong concert, guys. No, with their heads. They're just not their, not their penises, no, no, but their actual skulls. Um, I just oh, love the fact okay. that they had headbangers rocking out the to Tintatella shirtless. Um, well, listen, man, the guy, have, the guy was gyrating. His hips were fucking swinging. I ain't never seen somebody fuck a saxophone like that before. <laughs> I mean, it is incredible. His dick is absolutely shoved in that thing somewhere, the way he's fucking moving it. That guy is straight up like a Chippendales dancer with a fucking saxophone. Now, I know the guy is a – he's actually like a real like a real musician the whole night. He's like a composer. He plays like multiple instruments, all this and that. Oh, yeah. But – um. You know, Jamie Gertz, holy cow, so hot, so hot in this time period. Oh, yeah. And, and as, as an aside, uh, the monkey and I are going to Creature Feature in Gettysburg next weekend, where Tim Capel will be there signing autographs and taking pictures, so you better believe. I'm I glad. Believe you know what would be better? Be better uh, if along with the Frog there. Brothers. The Frog Brothers will be there, too. <laughs> and speaking you know, of the Frog Brothers, we can introduce them. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Doc. The, um, that whole fucking sequence uh, with fucking Mr. Fucking Saxman is just like it's it's one of the true fucking bizarre ass fucking musical sequences <laughs> from the 1980s, and there were a lot of them in the 1980s, but this one is just baffling to me on so many levels. And yes, uh, King, I will totally agree with you with all of the fucking metalheads like rocking out and banging their fucking heads. In 1987, that's the last performer and the last fucking music (laughs) that these people are going to be banging their fucking heads to. Uh, It's just... It's just absolutely fucking ridiculous. Uh, no, it seems you know, like I remember it then, and I remember it yeah. now. And like, yes, the sexy sax man, like it's like a fucking meme with that fucking guy and everything. Uh, <laughs> what oh, a sexy I, sax ooh, man! Man, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, 
fucking weird, Listen, weird, man, weird. you know what, though? Maybe his whole sax solo that was going on, right? Maybe it's kind of like when Mickey would run into, like, one of his crazy drum solos, you know? And it's like everybody was headbanging, and everybody was, like, real fucking hardcore. And all the other band members were all fucking jamming out and all this fucking crazy shit. And the crowd's all going fucking nuts, and dudes are banging each other on the beach. And then all of a sudden, sexy sax man just, like, fucking pops up on the stage. And it's like... Um, don't don't you have a flip so for that <laughs> ghoul? I no I I his credit in the Lost Boys his credit his I name. I don't know is, where my flute is. Otherwise, I'd give you a flute solo. <laughs> his his character's name in in Lost Boys is Beach Concert Star. Yeah, <laughs> Beach Concert. Not even Sax Man. <laughs> nope. They would give him that name. No Beach Concert Star. Um, what's really funny, while this is going on. Something else I want to just add to this is really funny uh, is because I uh, was thinking to myself uh, when watching this, I was like, man, I really think that that guy was in uh, in Tina Turner's band. And lo and behold, when I clicked on his 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 credits, uh, he was in the Tina Turner biopic. What's love got to do with it? Uh, from 1993, mm-hmm. and it was her keyboard Starring player. Angela Bassett. Uh, starring Angela Bassett. And that's another in the series of movies that I have seen a thousand times because it was one of the movies that played in that 1992 to 1993 window where I had a hot Tokom box with all the free pay-per-views. Yep. Oh, there you go. Ah, the good old hot Tokom box, man. God, I can't yep. even believe you just dropped the name Tokom, dude. Holy shit. <laughs> dude, I've talked about that on the show before, man. You have. Yeah. Oh, but while uh, this concert's going on, Star notices Michael, and he notices her. You know, they give the little glances towards each other. You know, she's kind of playing it playful. Um, and then eventually going off with David and the other bikers that are in the gang. But Sam wanders off, and he goes to the comic book store to look at the comic books, wearing his comic. mother's outfit. For some reason, because he just went through <laughs> Lucy's closet, and he's like, "I'm going to wear her jacket, and I'm going to wear her shirt, and I hope I don't get made fun of because this is Arizona style." <laughs> so jarring to see him wearing this shawl, you know, walking into the comic book store, uh, and get introduced to Edgar and Alan Frog, the Frog Brothers, who take their job as comic book workers and vampire killers very seriously, which I found so great in the movie because at no point do they ever really freak out. Like they like they get scared, but they don't get scared to the point where like they don't really believe in or they don't want to believe in vampires anymore. Like they still take their job seriously, which I thought was so great. Well, you know, yeah, man, yeah, it's, forget, but, it's, yeah. it's true justice in the American way, motherfucker. That's what they're there for. <laughs> you got to say it more gruff, like Corey Feldman said it in the movie, where he sounded like a thirty-seven-year-old lesbian. Truth, justice I, I, in the American way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> every, every, every line that Feldman does. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Vampires <laughs> on my finger. But they are the first ones to give Sam the comic books of Kill Vampires, and they tell him to read this because it could save his life. And he's like, I don't like horror and, comic books. And, you know, trust me. And vampires, will save and vampires everywhere. <laughs> yes, and vampires everywhere. Because they give him another comic book later on where it's and vampires everywhere. Where it's like, yeah, trust me. <laughs> Read this, and it'll save your life. He's like, whatever, guys. We're not the vampire hunters that Santa Carla wants. We're the vampire hunters that Santa Carla deserves. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But then you have the the couple uh, that we see out in the carousel earlier on in the movie, 
they steal a couple of comic books from the store. They run off to make out in the back of their car, and they end up being victims of the vampires, which I love because they ripped the entire roof off of that car. It was so awesome. It's so comical. They, it's so yeah. so comical. This whole sequence, like any of the, like even the the security guard at the beginning, it's funny. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see yeah. that the, the the people making this film that there is a, a bit of mirth in everything. There's oh, yeah. kind of like this sly mm-hmm. smile going on. I don't know if some of that has to do with some of the original scripts uh, with the kids and all that, where they were trying to make it more fun. It's like they, they, they never truly want to go full full gore and danger until we really get to know David and, and the crew. Yeah, right. and that's what I liked about the, the second meeting on the boardwalk of David and Michael where Michael gets his leather jacket, and he's like, oh, man, maybe I'll get a piercing, too. It's a wild Friday night. I don't know. <laughs> but he runs into David, and he sees Star, and he's like, hey, Star, do you want to go out to get something to eat? She's like, hell yeah, let's go. David tells her, no, you got to come with me, Star. You know, where are you going? Let her come with me, man. And that's when the race starts, where he's like, oh, I can't beat you on your bike, David. I don't need you to beat me, Michael. just need you to keep up. Like, I was like, oh, man, keep it other when I fucking love you. Like, so good in this movie. Cue the music. Like, he captures it. Right away. <laughs> yeah. music, and then the single file of dirt bikes uh, streaking through the forest area, even though they were on the beach, uh, they were yep. able to drive yeah. through so many trees. Uh, but but yeah. that also looked just like when uh, Johnny and his Johnny. ruthless gang of Cobra Kai henchmen uh, speed mm-hmm. down to the beach to, to beat up Danielson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was so great because they're racing to the bluff. And they're racing and racing towards the end of the bluff, and that's when Michael wipes out, and he gets pissed off at David and ends up punching him, saying, you could have killed us. And he's like, oh, no, it's not like that at all, Michael. Mm. <laughs> you just have to trust us. Yeah. Like, you know, why don't but you come I, hang out with us, Michael? But while, while we had that stuff of them coming up to the beach and stuff like that, I, or to the cliff's edge, I really dug that shot of the camera keeps yeah. pulling out, pulling out, pulling out, and then you see mm-hmm. the cliff's face, and then the lighthouse. I thought that was just a great shot right there. <laughs> it was a great transition piece of the lighthouse versus the, the headlights of the, the dirt bikes that they were mm-hmm. racing with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you get to the, the underground hotel that sank, took a header, as David says, and they have the Jim Morrison poster hanging up. And it, again, watching this now and watching as a kid, I'm like, this is fucking so cool. Like, they have their own fucking place. Far away from everybody, they could just fucking hang out and order Chinese food for some reason, and just fucking live their lives in this. Well, they're fucking place. vampires. They can go anywhere they want as fast as they want. We're just not seeing it. I like that they dropped a little bit of California history in here with the oh, yeah. whole uh, earthquake of 1906. Um, yeah. With the hotel being, you know, it was it was one of the the, the most popular resorts. 85 years ago, but then the earthquake hit and boom, half the thing collapsed and and all that. Um, it, it felt like it was hinting towards a larger past and world in this this vampire community here. Um, that again, obviously, you know, whatever exploration they did with that was with the the two sequels that came at later points mm-hmm. in this film, and I've never seen yeah. them. So and and Zombo, probably Zombo. 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 Oh, why nope. didn't you watch those? <laughs> the first movie. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
But you bring up a point that I did want to bring up. Uh, Ghoul was busy seeing history. Endgame six times. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just when you talk about the history and stuff like that. There's one thing I I did have a problem with about the with the movie is that not once do any of them ever talk about how long they've been around. None of the vampires, vampires? in the movie talk. Yeah, none of them talk yeah. about how long they've been around as vampires. And that's and something you that don't I ever get an idea of what era any of them are from either. Which right. you know, if right. they are long form older older vampires or not. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That, just, didn't just bother because me. I mean, we, it didn't take me away from the movie. No, but I'm just saying. Usually, with most vampire movies, you usually get something dropped about, you know, some line dropped about, you know, do you have any idea how long I've walked this earth? Blah blah blah. You mean nothing compared to me? You know, that kind of stuff is always right. dropped in vampire oh, movies. And insignificantly, <laughs> I have seen a hundred moons come and taken down many a world. You will not defeat me. <laughs> yeah, you don't need it. Exactly. exactly. I, I don't think you need it. You don't really, I mean, well, yeah, it would have been nice, but you don't really need it in Lost Boys. I feel like it could have colored things a little bit and maybe given some depth to the characters. I mean, I hate to bring it up, but like, you know, as a comparison, let's look at like the Twilight vampires, all right? As much as they sparkle in the in the light and all that shit, each I mean, one of them because shit. of the specific each one of them because of the specific era that they came from and it's similar to interview with the vampire that we see this as well um yeah you know even if they went with something as subtle as each vampire kind of dressing differently you know like the the mm-hmm. way they're they're set up here it's almost like you know max came into town was like, all right, I'm going to suck all you guys off. Well, actually, no. No sucking ever occurred. Actually. That <laughs> no, is something marker. that I noticed. No no sucking at all. Um, <laughs> no. no. But, you know, whatever. They no, turned no a bunch sucky, of kids sucky. that were already in the town. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to bring up, too, is that you have, in this underground cave, you have uh, David kind of messing with Michael in a way, where they're all having their Chinese food. And he offers him the rice, and as soon as he picks up the rice, he's like, you're eating maggots. And you think those maggots are? He's like, well, come on. And he looks in the box and there's maggots and he throws it on the ground. And Star tells him to knock it off. And, he's like, and he just, I love how he just starts poking around in the noodles like, well, fine, whatever, fuck you. Like, yeah, I'm having fun. <laughs> Let me have my fun, Star. You know, and then he hands him the noodles and he's like, oh, how are them worms, Michael? And he looks in the box and there's worms. Don't eat that. And he's like, what? There's noodles. And the gang is eating. But that's the one thing I wanted to bring up is that they're eating food. They're vampires, but they're actually eating regular food, which is something that you don't really see in vampire films. You see vampires only want blood, but these vampires can eat food like normal, you know, and also have a thirst for blood, which is something that you don't always see. Mm. Yes, and, you know, I I remember, like, I think out of every scene in this entire film, the scene with the maggots and the worms are what stick out for me the most mm-hmm. they're the most memorable yeah, because I maggots, just see it. it just it burned into my head <laughs> and just the look of the maggots in the Chinese food box the look of the worms in the Chinese food box like I can't look at lo mein now and not think <laughs> of, the, of that scene from the fucking movie I don't think maggots with the rice all that much but the lo mein and the worms all the time you're eating maggots, and the thing that you brought up cool too about the biting how you don't really see any vampire bite I like the fact that they introduced the wine bottle where David says get the wine 
and he offers it to Michael. And obviously at this point, Michael has been tricked so many times that he just thinks it's another trick. So he's going to drink this wine and enjoy it. You would think maybe you would taste it and go, ah, this is awful metal tasting. Tastes maybe like blood, but I think Michael at that point has just been so tricked by David that he's just going to do it because he wants to impress David, I think, in a lot of ways. Like, if you want me to drink it, I'll drink it. And I'll be one of you. Sorry. But that's how they trick <laughs> Michael into becoming one of them. They don't bite that Michael. Would be... They have him drink their blood. Yeah. <laughs> and, he drinks the blood. But, but it, the blood. Yes, he drinks. <laughs> right, but it's a, it's a fun way of sitting there doing the transition again while still keep being able to keep that PG rating and you know not tap into – vampire lore and still get the message across about the blood has to be in you to become a vampire. Yeah. And this well, thing, like, you know, as he starts drinking it, they change for him. I think they're also giving us, though, <laughs> there is some deeper stuff that goes on in all of this, okay? As much as this might just be a fun vampire film, this is also giving us a showcase of what peer pressure is like for, you know, young teenagers. Oh, you know, you, you, you look at it from a standpoint of it being, you know, an alcoholic beverage. Like, hey, you know, Michael, drink with us. Here, you know, do this. Eat this. Jump off this fucking bridge, Michael. <laughs> you know, do all of these things. The idea is that this is just simple peer pressure to the new kid that is in town. And you, you have and start you telling him not to drink it. Like, don't. And, on, dude, don't. And following this is, is like the ghoul said. We literally get to, if all your friends jumped off a bridge, would you do it too? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And at first, they're all having fun. You know, they're, you know, ready to have some fun, Michael. And I love uh, Marco played by Alex Winter from Bill and Ted. He doesn't have many lines, but I just love his line to Michael. Good night, Michael. Jumps off the fucking bridge. (laughs) What? (laughs) And then you have Paul played by the late Brooklyn Carter who snaps his fingers. Very cool. And just jumps off the bridge. You know, and they're all hanging off and having a good time. But when the train comes, you're like, well, fuck. Like, they're going to end up falling. And that's what you know, Michael's so afraid of. You're going to fall. Like, you know, and when they start falling, I love the transition of him falling and then landing in bed. Like, uh, they, they take him home? <laughs> Did they just take him on the back of a motorcycle and bring him back to his house? Like, I just love that transition. How There's no explanation, but he's just back at home. He got there by a luck dragon, Andy. That's how you get there because you fall into the swamps of sadness and you wake up healed and okay. It's because a luck dragon was there. You know this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> you have to bring up the running story again. I saw it, right? It was, <laughs> it was Falcor. That's all this movie was missing was uh, Oliver Barrett. No, but you're right. He wakes up the next day, you know, can barely look at the sunlight, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but but his eyes are sensitive to the sunlight, you know. And of course, he has to babysit you know, Sam that night. What are you doing? You know, because Bob his Gordon? mom wants to go. Because mom's you know. got a date. She's got a date. Yeah, she's going to do with Max. <laughs> We're going to go and have a good time. You got to babysit uh, Sam, mm. which leads to the, the the scene in the bathtub where again, Sam's supposed to be playing younger than he actually is because I don't think a kid that age would be taking a bath of bubbles and singing along to some fifties doo wop song. And that was a great time. I was like, that's a little kid. Not a big kid. Well, also, specifically oh. being told to go take your bath on top of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's like around 13 years old, you would imagine. But no, he's being told by Michael to go take your bath. 
Okay. <laughs> Here I go. <laughs> I'm sorry, Stop Cole. What were you going to say? No, the best, too, is that, you know, Haim, unfortunately for him, is like 16 or 17 at this time. <laughs> and, you know, he, he looks and sounds like he's like 11 or 12, and he's acting the fucking part to boot. You know, and it's, it's I get it, you want to do this whole cutesy role, and it's all part of what you're doing and this and that, but at the same time, too, I think these are the things that kind of hurt his career as much as helped his career. Yeah, because yeah. while this was going, while this is going on, he was still on the cover of like Teen Beat and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of, okay. Well, speaking of Teen Beat, okay. How about that fucking uh, poster in their freaking in uh in <laughs> room, man? That Rob Lowe. Yeah, that was real sexy. Which was funny well, because this this yeah. time around, uh, watching it with Ian, I- Ian goes. Why does he have a picture of a half-naked man on his closet door? <laughs> and that's seductive I, I can actually, I can tell you why. Because of Santa Fire. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because of the connection to Joel. Please Stewart. tell us why. And that—that that is why. <clears throat> the fucking King spoiled it. So you know what? Now you don't get the surprise from me. Thanks, yeah, King. Because he did Santa Claus Fire. So that's why they have that weird poster of Rob Lowe hanging up in his room. Because of the I just would have thought he could have come up with something cooler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how come they couldn't use a picture of the young blood? Was there ever a well, was there ever a variation of the film in which Sam was going to be a female? Where it would have been a brother no. sister dynamic. It was always a brother. It was always a uh, two brothers. Star was the only one that had the gender reveal. Where like it was a Black a Panther boy, brother. Right? What's up, my brother? <laughs> Not that kind of a brother. Um, but while he's taking a bath, Nanook realizes that there's danger because Michael's walking up the stairs, and you don't know what his intent is. But when he opens up the bathroom door, Nanook charges and attacks him, waiting Sam to go down and figure out what happened. And he's like, why would he bite you? Well, he was protecting you. He's like, oh, my God, you're a vampire. You're a dirty, blood-sucking vampire. Wait until I tell Mom. <laughs> <laughs> that that line was great though, man. You know, you're a blood sucking vampire, you're a creature of the night. Oh, will you wait until mom finds out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was so great. And the the phone call that he makes to his mother at, while she's on her date, she's gotta call the restaurant, you know, where she's at. Him screaming in the background, Mom help and you know, Michael's calm down, calm down. She comes to watch his mom the comic book. Well, Here's that's question, because right? the but what? Oh, but go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I can wait. No, I was just gonna say because he's freaking out because his brother is starting to fly outside of the window. You oh know, yeah, he's starting he to get out. powers, and he has no. Well, both brothers are freaked out because no, either brother knows what the fuck's going on right now. <laughs> one's yeah, flying well, out the window. One's doing a Mary Poppins, and the other one's hiding under the covers. Well, I love the fact that Michael, once everything calms down, he's like, I'll never hurt you. I got to go figure out what I am. So he's immediately going to go find Star and then just fuck it. Loved it. Because <laughs> he's like, yeah. Okay. What am I? Michael, let's just get down to the dicket. He's like, okay. <laughs> but it's Joel Schumacher I mean, filming it, so it's just a lot of David, a lot of Michael, not a lot of Star. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I, I love the flying scene at the window simply because, it, one, it reminds me of uh, Salem's Lot. Uh, which I oh, had yeah. seen yep. at, at a young age off a TV, and that sequence just just always reminded me of that, the kid in the window. Um, and then, of course, it also reminds me of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You know, you're floating, <laughs> oh, Benny. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> oh, you know, you're, you're a vampire, kinda... man. <laughs> mm-hmm. But here's here's the big question because we've brought Diane Weist up a couple of times, right? But you know, she mm-hmm. really etched out quite a career for herself over the years as this like mousy. Always, like, very quiet, soft-spoken woman who always felt like she could command the room if she ever needed to, you know, Mm -hmm. and I really liked her in this film and in this role, and I guess my question, my question that goes out to you guys is, is would you bang her? No, absolutely not. Nope. You know, I... I, I never would be just because I've seen parenthood and I've seen how big the vibrator is that she uses. So I could never do it anymore. Mm. That's a great point. No. That's right. You, you no. never fill that cave, monkey. No. You no. Your head. That might help. Reminds me of your I grandpa. Bet, I bet you would be a very sensual lover. <laughs> you think so, Doc? You think you would get it? Diane Weiss? I'm not saying that I think I would get it. I'm just saying I bet you she'd be a very sensual Lover. She'd have to try a lot. I'm sure. Come on, Doc. Get it. Get it. Get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. Um, besides all that, obviously, that's that's just a gag. I wouldn't bang Diane Weiss either. I just appreciate her as an actress. But what oh, was funny is seeing yeah. her in, in this film and thinking about her and thinking about her look and all of that stuff, it did get me to thinking that she is actually an actress that I could see playing the role of Carol. On The Walking Dead, like if you, like yep. as much as I love yep. Melissa McBride, I could easily slide McBride out of that role and throw Diane Weiss in, and I think she would have fit it perfectly, you know. So for like perfect casting, that would have worked very well. But I do love McBride as well. So, yeah. all right. So, um, so 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 back to the game. I don't know if I agree with that, man. I mean, <laughs> uh, like Melissa McBride, Diane Weiss is an old woman now. Uh, like she was like forty something when she made the Lost Boys. Uh, yeah. She she couldn't play Carol now. Maybe if they made The Walking Dead in the eighties. But like she's an okay, old lady. I am I am not saying playing her as the old lady that is Diane Weiss now. I'm saying if you were to take her when she was in her forties or even her early fifties, because she hasn't changed much. Right. She still kind of looks the same, even old. Yeah. But you know, again, obviously not same in haircut. her seventies now, which is where she is. But yes, yeah, she did get a a late start as far as theatrical acting. She uh, graduated from whatever school in like '69, and you know, she did a lot of theater work and some light television work in the mid. 70s and then uh, finally broke into film in like 1980. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like the monkey was saying with the, with the movie, you have the whole thing with with her having to break the date with uh, Max. So they have uh, the Redux date where she's going to invite Max over for a dinner, and Sam wants to invite the Frog Brothers over because he wants to find out if Max is the vampire that they're looking for. So they have all these tests with garlic, with the mirror. We're turning out the lights. I mean, it's a, such a great sequence because Max isn't falling for any of it. You know, he likes garlic. Well, obviously he has a reflection, but he also has to be invited in by the man of the house, which is which, Michael. And which is very contradictory to a lot of shit, man, and it's one of the big fucking oh, yeah. clubs for the rest of this movie. Pisses me yeah. off. I don't think so, and I want to get to that because I think it's one of the things that I liked about the movie. Um, you know, this, this change that we have with Max being invited in and none of the tests work on him and it ends up just being, well, I'm not trying to take the place of your father, Sam. I'm just, I like your mom and I thought we could just be friends and, you know, oh, try this oh no. 
I have no problem with Max and the whole rules of you need to be invited in and the whole idea that, you know, all the other shit doesn't work if he's been invited in and all this and that. My problem comes with the fact that all the other fucking vampires in this movie come fucking flying into that house without ever being invited in. But that's my point. But, that's I, why think, I, like but I think I think it was that the head vampire. I think, I think it was the head vampire. Yes, well, I would say that I, too, yeah. which is what I which is what I did say last night, but then I thought about that. How come then do the protections only work on him if the invent, if the invitation works on everybody else? Well, that's what I was thinking is that uh, Max got invited in. That's why none of the tests work on him. When the Lost Boys break into the house at the end, everything works on them as far as, as the holy water and everything else that you would think of because they weren't invited in the house. They broke in. So whatever protections that they would have as a vampire doesn't work. Like, it could be harmed, whereas Max is protected because he got invited. He's allowed in that house. But that's the point. They shouldn't have been able to come it's, in just because he was invited. It's, I mean, look, the, the fact of the matter is it's a movie. You're supposed to turn your brain off. Yeah. It's just convenient. They need to attack. They need to have a confrontation. And they want to make it but where I it's like, the you know, gunfight at the okay thing was only in relation to the head vampire. Yeah, it was only that for Max. That's what I'm saying. He was the only one that was invited. And if Max's invitation, that's what I said last night, though. I was like, okay, maybe Max's invitation is what allowed the other vampires to come in. But then at the same time, the fact is, with Max's invitation, all of the typical things that destroy a vampire didn't work because he was invited. And by proxy, that same invitation, if that invitation is extending to the Lost Boys, should then as well extend to the rest of them not being harmed Yeah, by but anything. the Lost Boys are not the head vampire. I think the invitation thing right. is just in relation to the head vampire. Yeah. I, I gotta go mm-hmm. And again, they, then they shouldn't have been able to get into the house, man. You can't give Why? them one they're thing just regular and fucking vampires. But, but the they can't come in if they're not invited. You keep a knocking, but you can't come in. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um... I do also feel like a portion of this movie, because a year later, we're going to get, you know, one of the, you know, in my opinion, one of the best fucking Haim Feldman movies, which is Licensed to Drive. And I do feel oh, like that yeah. whole sequence that we got yes. earlier in this film <laughs> with him in the grandfather's car and when they take it and everything, I feel like it inspired Licensed to Drive. Like, it's just, it's the, it's the beautiful car, it's the grandfather's car, they almost fuck it up. Like, there's just so many little things that happen that just remind me of License to Drive. And it's like, I, I even looked up, there's nobody else that connects to License to Drive except uh, Feldman and Aim. But I just that feel was like it's fine. right? Yeah, it was yeah, a year it later. Was the next year. Yeah, that was the same year that yeah. uh, Beetlejuice, Big, uh, Mississippi Burning, uh, Heather's. Midnight Run came out, Dangerous Liaisons, Twins, Cinema Paradiso, okay. Willow, okay. Eight Men Out. <laughs> well, the, other, the, the other question I wanted to... I saw Beetlejuice. The other question, uh, the other question I wanted to ask you guys uh, about vampires, because we're talking about the rules of vampires being let in and how they can get in without being invited. The one thing that they realize in the comic books is that every vampire has a hound of hell that protects them while they're sleeping during the day. So if you try to go into their lair, they have a protector. So you won't be able to get past that protector to kill the vampire. Max has Thorn, the white German shepherd. 
but we don't see one for the Lost Boys. Like, they don't have any protector. Was that intentional because you. of the fact they live in a cave, or is it just that they just loved it and just didn't have a protector? I told you, they had the pigeons. They have the pigeons in the cave. Those are their protectors. <laughs> but, I, yeah, I told you last night, man. They have a mural of Jim Morrison they, to protect them. Yeah. The Lizard See, King. <laughs> but they lit. They, 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 they needed vampire condoms. <laughs> they, they live in a big-ass cave. That you also have the half-breeds there, and that's also part of vampire lore is sometimes you have half-breeds that are there protecting the vampires. So racist, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, just because I, somebody's the, not, just because somebody's not of pure fucking blood from one ethnicity, <laughs> man, to call them a half breed, dude, that's really <laughs> fucked up, monkey. <laughs> Vampire lives matter. Okay. <laughs> you know, we know that. lives matter. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could uh, say that, but they have they have Star and Laddie, but Star and Laddie aren't gonna fucking protect shit. <laughs> they don't want to be with the Lost Boys. Like they, they are looking for a way out. They want Michael to take them away from the Lost Boys and save them. So they're not going to protect those guys. I think Star wanted out. I think Laddie kind of just was attached to Star. You know, I mean, again, yeah. they never go deep into any of this stuff. But like, I wonder about Star's turn. You know, was that done by Max? Was that done by the by David and company? Um, I thought David. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I, I felt David as well, but then we also know that Max was looking for a mom. Like, who turned Laddie? You know, I hate whenever you see kids turned into vampires in movies. Yeah, but it's like, man, that just like, really wasn't, sucks. Wasn't David going to have uh, Michael be uh, Star's first kill and go full vampire? Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> which which would make perfect sense if it wasn't for the fact that he gave him the wine. You know, like, why would you mm-hmm. give... Michael, any vampire power whatsoever, if you were just going to have Star kill him. Um, you know, again, there were a bunch of little confusing things that seemed to go on, and I don't know if they were just misfires in the script, or if it just felt like, you know, they needed to do this, do that, do this, to get people there. Right. But either way, now, no, but now we get into the point where we need to get to the surf Nazis. We well, really need to get because you have the you have we're not talking David. about surf Nazis. We're talking about the Lost Boys. Well, yeah. Well, you have Michael going with David to do the throat Nazis. Kill. I'm like, is that like a bunch of fucking <laughs> swastika wearing like throat fuckers? No, <laughs> no. But for some reason, they're listening to Run DMC and Aerosmith "Walk This Way," which is clearly not the song that they should have been listening to on this beach. Again, wrong song choice for these particular people. Why not, man? It's a pretty fucking awesome song. It is, but not for this particular group. Like, you know, the monkey said, they're surf Nazis. They should be listening to Run DMC of all groups. They should be listening to something else. It's a little bit more metal, maybe. You know, I don't know, but uh, the the kill scene is fucking Why fantastic. Why you have been man? turning You know fun. what? Those motherfuckers can listen to whatever they want to. Just because they're Nazis, it doesn't mean they can't enjoy some African-American music. I mean, what now? Are you going to say they can't listen to? You're going to say they can't listen to some Benny Goodman? I mean, come on. Would they? I don't know, Benny Goodman. But, but it's just the the fact that you finally see the vampires turn into the creatures that they are. That they're this grotesque-looking creatures when they turn into their thirst mode and start killing these people uh, in great quick shots with David ripping off a scalp of one of them. 
them tearing the bodies apart and throwing them on the bonfire. Like it's great. Literally, super quick. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like you re, you really, really and have John to pay Turturro attention quick. because so quick. Yeah, that is sneaky. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's fantastic, but it leads to to Michael going, "Well, this is fucked up. I'm not doing this. Like I'm out of here. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> uh, no, not for me, David. You know what we are. <laughs> you know what you are." And you must feed. He's like, no, I don't think so. I, I, I don't know. No, I'll see you later, David. Well, I'm out of here. <laughs> you know. And it leads to him finally just going, we have to, we have to solve this. We have to get rid of these vampires. I don't want to be a vampire anymore. Let's get the Frog Brothers. They are fucking and vampire the, killers, and they're going to solve the problem. And we go into a montage. <laughs> Motherfucking montage. <laughs> Even Rocky had a montage. <laughs> <laughs> well, because they and, go to the yeah, cave and they they take out Alex Winter, Bill, Bill and Ted, Marco, and they stake him and he explodes and that which leads to the final confrontation at the house. You're dead meat. I just I loved David in that sequence. <laughs> you know, him trying to grab on to Sam and they're trying to drag him into the sunlight and his hand starts to burn, you know, showing you that sun does affect them. Like it was just a great quick scene. Before they escape with uh, with uh, Michael and Star and Laddie and so. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, we also knew we sunlight affected them because of Michael's sensitivity. So. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> and you know, and they all rush back home and they start fortifying the house. <laughs> you know, <laughs> gra- grabbing holy water, mashing up garlic. Dude, you know, <laughs> getting bows and arrows ready. That church scene is the other best scene of this movie. I mean, just the looks on the the people's faces, the kids as they're busy filling up their freaking things. Yeah, I love it. Fantastic scene. I like the humor in that. (laughs) But, yeah, like like the monkey said, they're fortifying the house because they're getting ready for the final battle. But they need to get everybody out because, obviously, Lucy's on a date with Max that night at his house. Grandpa is just kind of tooling around in his house. Uh, Will Johnson called, better get going. He's like, oh, she did? All right, let's get going. You know, I'm going to bring her something and then leave. Um, so they yeah. have the house to themselves while they await for the approach of the Lost Boys in the final battle. Well, one of the subtle little things. Now, I know that you guys had mentioned before that you think Grandpa's a vampire hunter and all this and that. I, I don't believe he's a vampire hunter, but, I mean, obviously from his lines at the end of this movie, we do know that he knows that the vampires exist. Um, oh, yeah. And yep. we see from certain behaviors throughout the film, you know, like I feel like he had an idea of what was going on with Michael. He obviously did not trust Max, judging from, you know, his looks that he was giving oh, yeah. Max when Max was yep. at the house. The one cool little subtle scene is you see him sharpening the stakes that are going to come back into play later in the film, which I thought was a cool little yes. thing. Uh, on the back of his uh, car, when he's leaving to go meet the Widow Johnson, you see all of them in the back of the truck. He's got all because these sharpened stakes. Because those are the ones that he was planting around the property. Because, again, like the ghoul had said, and like I had tried to say earlier, he knows what's going on. So he himself yeah. is preparing for battle. Boom. Yeah, and it's, it's a great way to do it. Great way to kind of have that little bit at the end. Um, but then you have the Lost Boys descending on the house, and each meeting their own end, 
because I believe it was Edgar who says that they all die in different ways. Some go quietly, yeah. some explode, some implode. No vampire dies the exact same way. So, and but I they love all the try to take you with them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when Paul, uh, played by Brooklyn Carter, bursts into the bathroom and they have the bathtub filled with holy water and garlic, and <laughs> he's like, Garlic doesn't work. The fuck, guys? Like, you know, that's not going to work on us. Holy water will. <laughs> yeah. Break out the little water guns. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and then the little Nanook, man. Nanook helps out. <laughs> yep, with help from the nuke. Dumping him into the, uh, the tub, which leads to, like, the whole water system of the house exploding. <laughs> I loved it. Blood coming out of everywhere, of the sinks, of the tub, just soaking everything. With, with Paul's demise mm-hmm. going to the basement with Dwayne played by Billy Worth mm-hmm. facing off against Sam. Again, Billy Worth as Dwayne didn't have any real lines in the movie except for when he almost gets hit by the hour. He goes, you miss, sucker. That was the first <laughs> shot. <laughs> Second one hit, death by stereo. <laughs> Cue the enigma. <laughs> yeah, and I just love the fact that you have the hand flying down and just landing on the floor. Because he just exploded. So it was such a great way to, to show it. And I love the fact that they put glitter in the thick blood to make it shine. So I thought that was a really cool effect to make the blood look oh, the way that, that what, it did when the vampires are done. Is that yeah. what they did? It was glitter. Yep. They oh, put glitter in it. Oh. Okay. To make it, to make it have an extra shimmer to it. They added uh, glitter, which I thought worked. Because it did make it weird. It is. They should have just about... used. They should have just used CGI, man. That would have been so much better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but with with the Lost Boys being dispatched, you have David being the last one. So that's what leads to the epic battle between Michael and David in the basement, where again, Big like I said at the beginning time. of the show, they <laughs> show the flying aspects of it. And I'm like, I could have done without it. Didn't need it, but it's a cool effect because they use it very minimal. Um, of them flying at each other in the basement. And I love the fact that uh, Michael is driving I don't David think they were in the basement. I thought the they wall. were just flying around the house. I never took it that they were in the were basement. Were they? I thought it was the basement. Yeah, I didn't I think of any basement because they're all going all the on. They come from the upstairs the to the downstairs. And yeah. And then uh, yeah. that's all going on. And Max and Mom walk right in the door yeah. to where that's all happening. Not yet. Not yeah, yet. That, it didn't happen no, yet. No, I know. Because they're yet, still fighting. That's the, lo- that's no, the location no, that I'm referencing. Okay. Yeah, All right. just, so, yeah, yeah. 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 That's just the, the main from, living, like the, the main hall of the house. Yeah, and I think from the construction yeah, no of that basement. house, it couldn't have a basement. I didn't see see any setup for basement there. No, there was no basement. Remember there being stairs that Sam ran up, and when he ran up the stairs, that's when David came down and started fighting with Michael. So that was to the second skip, floor. So. Okay, so that was the second floor. There was definitely okay. no basement. Come on, man. How many times have you seen this movie? So many times. I, like I said, I always thought it was the basement. Even now, I thought I mean, it was you the basement. you got to know about, you know, California housing and all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you, 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 you got to learn your housing codes. <laughs> well, uh, Michael was driving David towards the antlers and he misses, and then David goes, my turn. I'm like, oh, yay, David, survive, man. I want to see you live because I like you better than Michael. But the way that they have him die, um, he doesn't explode. He doesn't implode. He goes quietly, which leads you to, I mean, the theory years later is that he didn't die, that he survived. Because that's, 
uh, sequel ideas they had is that David survived, and he ended up creating no, the Lost okay. Girls because that was going to okay, be a sequel. But, but the thing is, he died sexy. That's that, that's how he died. Okay, because <laughs> again, you know, yeah, because no, no, too sexy, too sexy. Okay, it's because the the, la- the ladies like Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> yes, I mean, let's be real. I mean, you know, Kiefer Sutherland goes back to a very innocent and normal-looking human being after he is, you know, staked or antlered, whatever you want to fucking call it. But uh, absolutely. I mean, this is because Kiefer Sutherland is a young, hot actor at this point, and the ladies love to look at him because he's got that edginess of being a badass. But still, the, the gravitas, which I know is his favorite word, gravitas, of you know an amazing actor. I also know what his what his least favorite word is, and uh, I'm I, I'm not going to say moist. It. No, 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 no. I mean, you know, it's just it's a, oh. it's a naughty word. Oh, the other word. Oh no, I know what you're talking about now. <laughs> yeah. No, we can't say that. We have censors on the air. We can't talk about that word. But I do remember that word. Um, yeah. No, it's a very bad one. But, yeah, it's just the, the fact that it's possible that he could survive. I mean, I know there was comic books that were released back in the mid-2000s where they showed David survive um, to live another day and create new vampires. I mean, it's a cool idea, but, yeah, like the monkey said, he died sexy. So let's just leave it at that, leaving Max to find the body of David when he gets into the house with Lucy and realizing, well, they ended everything that I created. They've killed my boys. So I guess I'm going to have to take the rest of your voice, like Sam, and make you a part of the fold. I'm going to have to make you one of me. I'm going to make you a vampire. Like, I love the turn that one of has, us. Especially when he one goes, of us. I can't let go of you. Of he us. can't have that. And you see him in the vampire mode. I'm like, whoa, all right. Good makeup on Edward Herman. I found it touching in a way, literally. Um, when you see Max go to Kiefer Sutherland, you actually do see a bit of a, like a sense of loss, um, whether it's because mm-hmm. his brood is gone and, you know, now he knows he has to go through the process of, of recreating all of these, these people or getting new, new people in the fold, um, or if it's a true sense of just loss of those people because as troublesome as they were, they were his. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's you know, so kind of upset though. by it. So he's like, well... You know, Lucy, you're going to have to come with me, and I'm going to take Sam, too. So, come on. You know, let's make this a family. You could be the mother. You were going to be the mother to my boys. You could still be a mother. You know, we're just going to have to do this a little differently now. Uh, and it's just, you know, you could see Diane. Like I said, Dan Weiss is good. You know, Ghoul, you had said it. I just love her just taking his hand and just accepting her fate. Of like, I, I'll go with this because you have my son. And, you know, what, what, what's that? Oh, Grandpa's coming. You know, and all the stakes come flying through and they nail Max and leads to Max finally being destroyed. So great. And I love the Frog Brothers put on their goggles for it (laughs) and just pumping their fists in the air, you know, watching this. How much do you think we should charge? Waving them like they just don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, I just love the fact that they said how much we were going to charge him for this. I was like, okay. Well, it's, uh, I mean, I I think one thing that we did see here, 
as much as the far, the Frog Brothers had all their talk and all their bullshit and bluster. Yes, when the shit hit the fan, they had all the right things. They had the equipment. But I, I don't think they've ever dealt with vampires prior to this. I think this was their oh, no. first time yeah. actually fighting real vampires. So, you know, yes, it is a very humorous moment when they, they sit there and talk about how much are they going to charge. But they handled themselves so well, and that was my whole thing. Is that at no point where they're like, "Oh my God, vampires are real! Holy shit, we gotta get out of here." <laughs> we, we can't. Oh handle. yeah, no, I I think like Grandpa, they knew that they were real. I just, you know, as far as their actual ability to confront and take them down, you know, I thought the bathroom scene was great, which, you know, you see them actually scared. You know, they they really thought they were fucked, and they were until Nanu got in there and, and did what he had to do. Say, Monkey, what do you got? <laughs> No, and I was going to say, even uh, with the Eddie Munster scene, they were terrified during that scene, too. But I took the whole scene of how much are we going to charge for this as just a really quick homage to Ghostbusters. Because they came in, they kicked ass, you know, and now it's how much do we charge for this service that we just did? You know, could be. Oh, five. Five thousand. Yeah, five, five. Five large. Five large for the containment. Five large for the sector. Yeah, yeah. Bill you, <laughs> but it, it leads to one of the greatest endings in horror films for me is that you have Grandpa walking into the room, going to the fridge and grabbing in there the old fart stash of the root beer, popping it off, taking that big swig, and he's like, you know, the only thing I can't stand about living in San Carlo, all oh, the damn vampires. Cut the credits. Butter, we don't need any more. Room, We're done. Room. <laughs> yeah. People are like, it's such a great way to stand <laughs> You don't need any other explanation other than that The only thing I can't stomach is all the damn vampires Done Close to it the, out To <laughs> the Lost Boys rap, you know <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, in comes Will Smith No, no, but seriously I did think it was like <laughs> When I say Lost, I, I, you say Boys Lost Boys <laughs> but, but I agree that it was a great ending for the movie but yeah, I think that pretty much wraps up the Lost Boys. You know, a, 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 hopefully a, a timeless movie that's going to stay timeless and that this is going to live on for generations and generations to be able to just check out and have a great it time. It does, man. It still does. It still does. After time, if you're lost, and, so. you and you will find <laughs> me. <laughs> time after time. All right, so so Mucky. So beautiful. Next week is your pick. What do you have for us, it, Mucky? It, it is my pick, and while we it's enjoyed Kiefer Sutherland, uh, well, while we got some Kiefer Sutherland, I felt like we just didn't get enough. So you never have enough. We're gonna no, we did, didn't get enough. So we're gonna Young Guns. Yes. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, Young Guns too, man. Uh, Young Guns too, please, uh, please, Young Guns uh, too. Uh, no, yeah, we're that, no, we're. I like them no, both. We're, but we're, yes, we're, too is is a great movie. It's, uh, but we're we're gonna go ahead just three years into the future of 1990 with uh, Flatliners. Excellent, I like it. Kevin Bacon, so Julia Roberts, Keeper Sutherland. Yeah, that's a great one. I went to that a lot back in the day. <laughs> so we'll see how this holds up because I'm sure it's been a long time since we've all seen this one, and we'll find out next week how it holds up with your favorite horror. How are you sure? Review Flatliners. Yeah, I watched it last month when I saw the remake, so it hasn't been that long for me, because I saw the remake, and then I went back and watched the original, I'm like, yeah, the original. Well, was it a remake, or was it a sequel? Because that was one of those where they were talking about it being a sequel and not a remake. 
They were talking about it because Kiefer Sutherland has a cameo, but he plays a completely different character in the remake than he does in the original. So it's not a re- it's a remake. It's not a continuation. It's just not a very mm. good one. Um, but I can't wait to talk about that one uh, with uh, the we'll Monkey City Flatliners next week. All right. So thank you so much, Doc, for joining us tonight, and hopefully you'll be back with us to Flatline. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. <laughs> all right. All right, Monkey, once again. Um, and this is going to be a big one for you, Monkey. This is going to be your last one. Yeah. Before you uh, take your little break. while. Yeah, I got to take a big break. I got some things I got to take care of. But what, meantime, what, I'm, how, uh, we'll how cover that later. We, we, we'll cover that off the air. But, um, yeah, I'm your sexy Simeon saying thanks for listening to tonight's episode and let me come in your ear. <laughs> All right. Uh, Ghoul, why don't you hit us with that sexy plug while I grab my saxophone oh. and take off my shirt? Say that sexy saxophone. Oh, please don't take off your shirt, man. <laughs> Nobody needs that. But you want to get if sexy, you want, your... you want to get laid, you want to be a hot fucking vampire in Santa Carla, well, go fucking make yourself a Lost Boys movie somewhere. But if you want some nice jewelry, <laughs> go to Etsy, Bonfire Beat Designs, all one word, bracelets, rings, necklaces, you name it, they're there. Everything's handcrafted. There's gemstone jewelry. There's, you know, straight up metal. There's stuff that I don't even know what the fuck it is. But most of it looks really, really cool. Go over there. If you put in the freaking thing, too, when you order something, put in talking pussy. And you're going to get a surprise that you're going to love. You're going to see a big fucking cockpit. And, you know, there's going to be a, a wet pussy of some sort in there, too. You know, we throw that out there as a bonus because, you know, everybody wants some cock. Everybody wants some pussy. Everybody wants some jewelry. So go to Bonfire Beat Designs at Etsy. All one word. Stay scared. Everybody wants some. I want some, too. Ow! Van Halen. A little bit of Van Halen at the end. <laughs> oh, jeez. Shadow Peas, everybody. It's an 80s movie we talked about. It has a little Ben Halen in the background. <laughs> Dude, my, my saxophone so, sounds like a trumpet. I can't do a sax with my voice, man. I'm sorry. No, that's, I can do a trumpet. that's, that's difficult. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us, folks. But we're going to see you next week for the 1990 film Flatliners, returning back with Kiefer Sutherland. Uh, I talked about it early on in the episode. We do have some new fans listening tonight, like Darling Nikki. Thank you so much for listening and actually providing some good commentary during the episode. I really do appreciate the feedback. But hopefully you'll return next week to see Flatliners. Keep America strong. Watch horror movies. We love you guys.